Welcome to Guerrilla Radio. Well, following a century and a half of forestry here, British Columbia's industrial-sized logging operators are struggling to find the trees needed to maintain the profits they've become accustomed to. The result is big timber leaning ever more heavily on provincial decision-makers to get access to areas of the public forests once thought off-limit. For the spotted owl, just one of a host of species endangered by habitat loss, the provincial government's reluctance to take a stand may make the difference between its survival or extirpation. Joe Foy is co-executive director of the Wilderness Committee, an organization dedicated to, quote, preserving wildlife, defending parks, safeguarding public resources, and fighting for a healthy climate. Joe leads the campaign team and helps put together, coordinate, and carry out strategies for its nature protection campaigns. Joe Foy in the first half. And while the numbers for July are not yet official, bets are that month's global mean temperature will too join June in breaking the mark as the hottest on record. In fact, nine of the ten hottest Junes have occurred since 2010. Perhaps even more troubling, though, is the dearth of Antarctica's ice extent, the smallest ever measured. Dar Jamal is a journalist and author who has, as staff writer at Truthout, been writing about climate change for the past decade or more. Dar toured the island in early June with his book, The End of Ice. Dar Jamal and finding a way of life in a time of climate disruption in the second half. And Victoria-based activist and longtime Guerrilla Radio contributor Janine Bancroft will be here at the bottom of the hour with the Left Coast Events Bulletin of some of the good things to be gotten up to in and around our town in the coming week. But first... Joe Foy and BC allowing the spotted owl's habitat be logged away. Stick around. Welcome back to this program, uh, Joe. Well, good to be here. Well, it's always great to speak with you now, Joe. Uh, in a recent press release, Wilderness Committee uh, calls our provincial government, quote, dishonest and twisted in allowing clear-cutting uh, permits within recognized spotted owl habitat. Uh, what, Joe, is the government's logic in making this decision? Well, I think uh, the, 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 our current B.C. government uh, came into this situation. Uh, the problem is uh, they have not corrected it. Uh, uh, I, I, the, the logic uh, that they've used, uh, which is that they've set aside areas for the protection of spotted owls, is obviously not working. Um, wildlife are honest judges. Uh, they never uh, lie to you. They're either there or they're not. And the spotted owls are now down to less than six. Uh, individuals uh, remaining in the wild. They started off when logging started at over 500 pairs. So clearly uh, the provincial government's uh, double speak about protecting habitat on a map and then allowing it to be logged in reality is not working uh, for these creatures. Well, Joe, did I hear you right? Did you just say six? Yeah, six. So we're uh, for this species, we're in a, a really dire situation. Uh, they are our warning system, though. We need to pay attention not only to the species that live in our forests, but also the way our provincial government 
<clears throat> is behaving and has behaved for some time on the line are not just spotted owls. There are mountain caribou, marble murrelets, and a whole host of species which are headed rapidly towards being eliminated from the province of British Columbia if we don't get a handle on what our provincial government has been allowing. Well, now, Joe, I know that there's a captive breeding program uh, the provincial government has been running for the spotted owl. Uh, is, is there hope yet that they can reintroduce uh, the species that they are uh, uh, fostering uh, in care, so to speak? Absolutely, there is hope. And I would point to the story of the, of the sea otter, uh, which was once very numerous off the coast of British Columbia. Uh, however, hunting the sea otter for its fur meant that by the early 1900s, uh, we had completely exterminated, eliminated the sea otter from our coast. But because we still had habitat, uh, we were able to bring back uh, sea otters from the U.S., where they still existed, and today we have populations of sea otters in various parts of the coast, and they're really they're a really popular uh, critter for people to go see, and we love our sea otters. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the same kind of hope with spotted owl. If we hold on to the habitat, if we allow habitat to grow back, there is a captive breeding program, the only one on Earth here in British Columbia, there is also surviving populations of spotted owl in United States. Uh, some of those very close to our border uh, in the Skagit and Chilliwack valleys. And so, if we take care to hold on to our last old growth habitat uh, here in southwestern BC, and we take care to grow back uh, some of our older second growth forests, we can absolutely have this species survive and thrive into the future as long as well as the other old growth dependent species that li live in this part of the province. Well this is the key too where the, we didn't take away the ocean from the sea otter and, and so it was able to rebound. Where are these uh, spotted owls that are being uh, uh, being nurtured uh, in you know by scientists and by the government at the government expense? Where are they going to live if they are released? I mean uh, are there, is there still habitat in this province that can sustain uh, uh, the spotted owl? And maybe you can explain why the spotted owl, uh, what kind of habitat the spotted owl requires. Well, there is uh, habitat. There's several hundred thousand hectares of unprotected habitat, which we would like to see protected. Uh, we've gone to the federal government and asked them to step up and force the protection of that habitat as they can do under the federal uh, species at risk law. Um, the reason uh, uh, spotted owls uh, have been going, uh, plummeting in, in numbers is spotted owls require old growth forest uh, in order to, their, uh, to hunt for their, for their prey, uh, which uh, are the, the, uh, in this part of the province, the little uh, kangaroo rats that live in the, uh, the talus slopes of the rockfall areas in the old growth forest. The uh, <clears throat> the spotted owl needs that old growth also to protect it from the weather, and also for its young to be able to avoid predators as the uh, little chicks uh, find a new place to live. Mm -hmm. That last part has been uh, uh, broken in that the old growth forest is now so fragmented 
that oftentimes the little chicks will just simply not survive uh, the experience of trying to find a new habitat. And so while the adults have been able to live out their lives, they haven't been able to, to uh, successfully uh, create for some years now a new generation of spotted owls in new areas. Mm. And so it's really, really important that the federal government becomes involved right. and essentially forces the provincial government to start protecting those connective forests. Yeah, and well, you mentioned uh, the Fed and, and Sarah, the Species at Risk Act, and uh, I, you know, I understand that you and uh, EcoJustice have petitioned the federal government, and you received a letter which you published at uh, at the uh, Wilderness Committee website from Catherine, Catherine uh, McKenna, the Environment Minister. Uh, what I noticed in it was uh, what looked to me to be kind of mealy-mouthed language, like, well, we, we're going to do something in the shortest feasible time frame, she says, and then there's these will be's. Well, there will be this and there will be that and there will be many things sometime in an undetermined future. Is the federal government, in your view, are they serious about this issue? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, we didn't get a flat no. We were prepared to go to court and are prepared to go to court mm -hmm. um, if we can't, if we uh, don't see uh, progress. But we're also open uh, to discussing uh, with the, the uh, federal representatives and also the provincial representatives, uh, how we go, from, where we go from here. But uh -huh. the bottom line is, we need to get uh, the remaining old growth forest in southwestern uh, British Columbia protected. We need to get spotted owl habitat mapped. Uh -huh. After after uh, 30 years of knowing this species was at risk, uh, the federal government still has not mapped its habitat. And uh, if we think about uh, mountain caribou, for instance, the federal government has mapped mountain caribou habitat. That's why uh, it, uh, environmentalists, First Nations, and others uh, can push the provincial government into expanding protection for that species' habitat. Spotted owl hasn't had its habitat mapped, um, and that's a, that's a serious problem. You'll see in the federal letter uh, the fed, federal government is open to making uh, uh, making that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we would hope to see that accomplished by uh, next year at the latest. In the meantime, we're pushing for uh, moratoriums on logging. Mm -hmm. uh, we are down to the last six owls. They exist, or under six, they exist in the Fraser Canyon, mm -hmm. and there's active logging in the Fraser Canyon. We need to get that stopped. Well, yeah, and, and Joe, I, you, you wrote a, a moving article in the uh, Watershed Sentinel, a great, uh, a great publication that I would recommend to anybody, uh, called Wild Times, Canada's Last Wild Spotted Owls, and you talk about going into the Fraser Canyon area and, lo and behold, stumbling across uh, a logging operation. Yes, and, and what made it particularly infuriating is it was a BC timber sales right. a logging operation. Can you, and, can you explain, and, Joe, what that what that means? Who BC Timber Sales is? Well, BC Timber Sales is actually an agency of the provincial government and has over twenty percent of the provincial cut. So, one out of every five trees cut in the province of British Columbia is cut by uh, through the BC Timber Sales Agency. What BC Timber Sales does is it uses our tax dollars to plan out logging, um, to hire road building uh, 
crews to build logging roads, and then it uh, BC Timber Sales auctions off the cut blocks uh, to logging companies. So we have our provincial government completely in control of uh, this one out of every five trees cut, uh, where where the, they will be cut, how they'll be cut, and what kind of roads will lead to them. So it was particularly uh, distressing to see BC timber sales mm-hmm. sort of planned cut blocks right in the very areas where the last surviving wild spotted owls are. And that, that that's ongoing now. Trees are falling now. So we're very eager to engage with the federal and provincial government uh, to get that stopped and then to move rapidly uh, to getting the habitat mapped and protected throughout the range. But we have to wait for Catherine McKenna's feasible time frame to do anything while these six or less surviving members, I mean, of the spotted owl family. I mean, is this a, is this a matter cynically, Joe, that, you know, well, you know, the, the spotted owl are history. There's a few left, and they're below the level that we would consider a viable population anyway. So we'll save our resources for the caribou or some other issue. Well, I think, in my mind, the spotted owl have been uh, a line in the sand. They're an early warning system. And for anyone in the province seeking to protect uh, um, uh, species at risk, endangered species, there's some really important lessons uh, to learn for those of us seeking to defend that habitat. One of them is you really have to watch out because uh, for the pressure of creating almost game farms, on the landscape. And what I mean by that is when you see plans uh, to to keep species on the landscape where the species ha- have had so much habitat eliminated, they are no longer able to reproduce on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they end up being penned or uh, being uh, constantly uh, sort of a put and take where uh, captive bred members of the species are dropped in the forest. Uh, they cannot uh, uh, effectively reproduce on their own. So, so the province is constantly repopulating uh, those species, much like you would uh, dump fish in a lake right. year after year because there's not enough spawning habitat. This is this is a real possibility uh, for British Columbians, uh, where in some areas. The only grizzly bears you'll see are in a pen up on a mountain someplace. So the only caribou are there because there are pens. Or the only spotted owls you'll see on the landscape is because there's a captive breeding program. This is not acceptable. This is not uh, stopping species from going extinct. And uh, we need to be fighting for enough enough habitat so that these species can reproduce uh, and thrive on their own. Well, it sounds a lot like the end of wilderness for British Columbia to me. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Guerrilla Radio. I'm speaking today with Joe Foy, Joe's co-executive director of the Wilderness Committee. It's an organization dedicated to preserving wildlife here, defending the parks we have, and safeguarding public resources and fighting for a healthy climate. Joe, uh, 
You mentioned uh, the provincial government's uh, uh, logging arm, BC Timber Sales, um, but the government just a couple weeks ago came out with, the provincial government that is, came out with their plan. It's called BC Big Tree Registry. They say they are going to save uh, uh, targeted or identified large trees uh, in the province. Um, what about this plan? Is this enough to ameliorate some of the concerns at Western, uh, at the uh, Wilderness Committee, rather? No, absolutely not. Uh, but it does point out there are uh, a number of aspects to old-growth forests, and one of them is, are these uh, record-sized trees. So it was, I think, quite shocking uh, to people uh, to see uh, some of these uh, amazing, uh, uh, massive, big trees uh, threatened uh, by logging. I know that uh, in my case, uh, uh, we were able to discover and and uh, and mark out a tree that was called the Elaho giant, giant, third biggest Douglas fir, a tree in the province. Uh, at the time, International Forest Products logged very close to the tree. It was in it was in a wilderness area, and by the time International Forest Products had had finished, it was surrounded by uh, clear cuts, only a very small piece of forest around it. And then uh, uh, three years ago, uh, we lost that tree, which had lived for well over a thousand years due to a forest fire that swept through the upper Elaho, um, exacerbated by all the new clear cuts. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, anything that can be done to, uh, when we know we have a really, really big and old trees, really set aside a large area around them, a large enough area around them, that's a good thing. But that will not satisfy those honest judges, those endangered species who will live or die. They, they, you can't convince them uh, through legislation. And they need much more than posted stamp areas around big trees. Mm -hmm. They need wilderness habitats. They need large areas of old growth, interconnected areas of old growth. And so the big, uh, the big tree program, I think, while a worthy program, does uh, not solve our biodiversity crash here in the province of British well, Columbia. It, it, we need to protect wilderness for that. It may address some of the public relations problems the provincial government has. Uh, in, this, in this month's issue of Focus magazine, uh, Judith Lavois writes uh, in an article uh, titled Old Growth in the Crosshairs about B.C. timber sales and about it, it's not just in the Fraser Canyon, it's over here on the island too where she notes that we're losing uh, the, the equivalent of 30 soccer pitches uh, of old growth uh, forested area every day here. Yes, you know, protecting a big tree is a bit like, you know, putting a stuffed grizzly bear in a museum somewhere. Um, it's a spectacular thing, I guess, for people to go look at, but it's dead. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not part of a living, breathing ecosystem which protects everything from salmon to elk to spirituality uh, to all the many species, all the insects, all the living, breathing things 
that live in our magnificent functioning old-growth forests. Well, maybe we need to think more just about ourselves as humans, I guess, and that the, the logging has now become a, a problem in the watersheds that supply the, the drinking uh, water for uh, cities like Vancouver and, and Victoria, maybe to a lesser degree, because we still own our, our watersheds here, but throughout the province, and I did a show last week about what's going on in the West Kootenays with logging in the watersheds. Uh, it seems that this is this has become a big issue, too, where the there's a desperation is the message I got out of the last week's interview that the the forest companies are ever you know we're going to be seeing them like much like oil wells in downtown Los Angeles we're going to be seeing cut blocks you know right up to our our suburban uh, boundaries well certainly the logging companies are going where they're wherever they're allowed to go and the provincial government is allowed to to go too many places Look, when it comes to watersheds, something has always been very striking to me, and that is, uh, you know, half the people, half the population of British Columbia actually controls the the uh, uh, catchment areas where they get their water, and that, that half live in greater Vancouver and greater Victoria, mm-hmm. where both those large communities uh, control their catchment areas. And guess what? They don't allow logging in their watersheds. They both banned it. But the other half of the population do not control the, their their watersheds. And, and if we look what's going on there, you have industrial logging, sometimes industrial mining, and uh, cattle ranching. Mm-hmm. Nobody would want that in their watersheds. And what we argue is that the people that drink the water should control what happens in the uh, catchment areas and when that happens and it should happen it's a human right then you're going to see a lot less logging a lot less cattle and a lot less mining in the uh, in the watersheds that the other half of British Columbia uh, relies on for water. Well, there was recently a provincial report on the management of water resources in this province, where where you know successive governments here were were found lacking in in their diligence to protect the the water. And in that report, which I read through, I only found reference to watersheds. I think in three or maybe four different paragraphs. Uh, it, it didn't seem to be a, a big issue for them. How important, Joe, are the watersheds in the sense of keeping industry out of them uh, for our water, for our health, for our safety here? Absolutely critical. And if anyone uh, looks at the arguments that were made, because both Victoria and Vancouver had battles. Uh, Vancouver actually had two generational battles. Uh, the first one happened after some a big logging-caused fires in the 1920s when a a fellow by the name of Cleveland uh, uh, stood up and began battling logging in Vancouver's watersheds. Cleveland was actually eventually put in charge of the watersheds and managed to keep logging out right into the 1950s when he eventually passed away. Logging got started up again in the 1960s in Vancouver's watersheds, and it was a series of citizen-led protests and battles in the 90s, which finally got it banned again. Look, logging causes dirt to get into your drinking water because of landslides and soil erosion and harmful bacteria hides in dirt. It's turbidity. It's called turbidity. 
and uh, there should be no logging in anyone's watersheds, um, as well as uh, cattle and so, and some of the other industrial uses. And where people who drink the water are in charge of the water, like Vancouver and, and Victoria, where our elected representatives are, then we get rid of those things, mm-hmm. uh, the mining and logging out of our watersheds. And that's what should happen for the other people in, in British Columbia. They should gain control of the catchment areas, the watersheds, mm-hmm. the land uh, where the, the water drains into the streams that eventually end up coming out your taps. Yeah, people, I... Well, I imagine, Joe, that it's cold comfort to the people in the West Kootenays and some of the other rural areas in this province to know that Victoria, the people of Victoria have control of their watershed uh, while they're desperately trying to get the attention of the people uh, down at the legislature in Victoria to, to offer them the same kind of luxury where they live and they're not having a lot of success. Joe, we're fast running out of time here, but I can't let you go without talking a little bit about uh, the WC's 39th birthday, which is next week. Yeah, we're pretty, it's pretty <laughs> surreal uh, to think we've been around that that long. It's been uh, it's been a, a privilege, uh, well, to live here and to be involved in uh, in some of the uh, some of the efforts that all British Columbians, uh, I think, have participated in, and uh, and and we just yeah, it's just been great ride living in this beautiful beautiful yeah. place and fighting and fighting for it. Well, and it's a fight that's vital for all of us that care about the wilderness. Go to wildernesscommittee.org to see more of uh, Joe's work and, and all those that are with him over there uh, fighting for uh, our wilderness as we all should be. Joe, thanks a lot for coming on the show and talking to us uh, a little bit about the, the Spotted Owl today. Sad news indeed. Well, Hopefully, we can uh, make it a better story in the future. That's what we're trying to do. Well, I'll talk to you. you. I'll talk to you again, hopefully. Bye-bye, Joe.